This one goes out to the conscious entrepreneurs here to make a difference in a big way. Welcome to the Heart, Soul, and Guts podcast. You've got the vision. You've heard the call. The world needs what you have to give, and you're ready to show up. Exactly how that's going to happen, that part's not so clear. Dreaming it and living it, two very different things. Deep breath, sister, you're in the right place. Amy Biondini is crazy about people and about business, and she's here to help you. It's time to get out of stuck and into action aligned with your soul. Are you ready? Here's Amy. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Why don't you go ahead and kind of tell me the Mark Mawinney story and kind of give me the highlights. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. We could go on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a, what, half hour podcast or so. <laughs> yeah, we say in Canada here, the Coles Notes, other people say the Cliffs Notes version is my background is in real estate, did that for over a decade. And I started when I was you know, 21 years old or so. And then that ended up going into eventually morphing into coaching. So even though I was coaching for all those years in real estate, I didn't consider myself a coach per se. It was after getting out of real estate, there was a you know a few years in between there where I was trying to find my next path in life and where to go next. And I ended up becoming a coach. So everything kind of worked out very well because at that time was when the internet, a lot more coaches were going online and able to do a business on, online compared to say in the 1990s. So by it was kind of a nice piece of timing there that coaching met technology and everything took off. Definitely, definitely. So why coaching? It was kind of staring me in the face for a lot of years and I just didn't see it, even though it was right there in front of me. So all those years in my throughout my 20s and as I entered into my 30s, I thought real estate was, you know, my life purpose. And that's where I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. But really, my passion since high school was personal development. You know, ever since I picked up the Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, I got addicted to that book and got into a lot of other books, programs, courses, and so on. So really, my top love was always personal development Then sharing was learning with other people anyways. And I just couldn't see it. That's what usually works in life. You know, you hear stories of people connecting with a partner, you know, years Maybe they went to high school and they didn't notice each other. Then they fall in love 30 years later or something. <laughs> it was staring them right in the face. They just didn't realize that sometimes it takes a while to see it. So that was you and coaching. Mm, that's right. Yeah, it was kind of the, the girl that was a friend and I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So when did you kind of realize that actually coaching was, you know, your love and it could be a viable business? It was really from the effect of having other people in my life that were coaches who'd helped me out. I went through a business closure in real estate and I say bad business closure, but all business closures aren't aren't good. They're not you know, sunshine and, and roses and lollipops but yeah, I was helped a lot by coaches going through that, and I thought, wow, this would be a really cool way to earn a living and to have a business doing this. You know, I can't think of any other business. So it was just something it, it sort of hit me. You know, it wasn't like it it was this moment. I, I always say it's not like it was a moment where the skies opened up and I was hit by a beam of light with angels you know, singing and stuff, but it did hit me where I thought, you know, this is really what I should be doing. One of the things that drove me nuts with real estate was I always felt trapped and tied down to the local market like I always had to be here and it was very difficult to get away on vacations and you were always tied to your phone and it wasn't really fun 
you know, lifestyle. I, I had, you know, fun, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't really the lifestyle I'd want to be doing, you know, getting throughout my whole life. You know, it just, for me, it wasn't a passion anymore. And coaching, I thought it was, you know, it's something you could do from anywhere and you're not tied to your local market. You can work with people. Well, you know what it's like. You work with people all over the world too. So just, yeah, it hit me. I thought, wow, this is, this is something I really like to do. So did you judge it straight into full-time coaching or did you have another job the time and transition? Yeah, it's what I did was it was a transition. I had a I had a sales job with a telecommunications company here in Canada and I started my coaching business on the side. Now, the telecommunications, you know, sales gig was working from home and it was super flexible. You know, it was very good that way. I can't complain. So, I kind of built coaching up at the same time and I was doing double duty until it hit a point where I felt like I was being pulled in a couple different directions and I had to choose which way to go. And for me, it was no doubt coaching was the way to go. So, the sales position was great. It was independent. A lot of people would say you're nuts to leave that, you know, a good paying sales position, good compensation to go to doing coaching where you don't have, you know, some of those guarantees and stuff. But for me, it was really a no, no brainer. So I think it was about 11 months of building my coaching business while I was in, in the sales position. And then I made the full-time jump to coaching. And how did you hit on your, your perfect niche coaching? Well, it took a while to hit on it. <laughs> like, like a lot of people, I, when I became a coach, this is good. This is going to sound very general because it was. I said, you know what? My background's as an entrepreneur. I love entrepreneurs. I want to help entrepreneurs. So, hey, I'm going to be a coach for entrepreneurs. <laughs> you know, that's a real tight niche share. And, you know, got out there, got the business cards printed up, the website, you know etc 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 and then i found out very quickly in those first few months that that wasn't the best way to do it that that was just way too broad and, and way too general and i went through a process where i really stepped back and reevaluated i looked at who i was working with what did i enjoy and which ones didn't i enjoy as much and look at my clients i had there were there were a couple different sets of clients there were the bricks and mortar people who were running businesses that you know had, had four walls a roof and you know kind of more traditional and then I had a couple clients who were actually coaches, and those are the clients I really gravitated to and I really enjoyed. So as time went on, I, I moved more and more towards those type of clients until I said, you know what, that's who I want to work with. This is my niche. These are my people, and this is all I'm working with. So I became, for lack of a better word, a, a coach who coaches coaches. Bit of a tongue twister. Yes, that's right. Try saying that ten times fast. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, I think one of the things that kind of often kind of gets new coaches in finding the niche is this, like, this whole idea of they don't want to narrow down because they don't want to exclude anyone. Mm, yes. So kind of how did you kind of manage that? Yeah, I think that's a pretty common feeling amongst coaches. They want to, we want to help everybody. Yeah. You know, that's just our feeling. We want to help 7 billion people in the world. We don't want <laughs> to turn anyone away, even though we don't have, you know, the hours to handle anywhere close to that, obviously, to do that. But we still want to help everybody. For me, it wasn't too difficult because I love working with coaches because they get the whole benefit and value of, of coaching. You don't have to work with, when I was working with bricks and mortar businesses, I was spending spending a lot of time in the early stages having to explain coaching and to explain the benefits of coaching and you know try to get them past that hurdle and with the people I work with now they they get the value of coaching so you don't have to worry about that but for me I, I think what helped me is I saw how difficult it was to become a coach in those first I'd say six months when I was starting the business I was just working my tail off but not getting the results that I wanted it was just banging my head against the wall and frustration and it just wasn't fun and that really drives me now because 
because I hate to see other coaches going through those same levels of frustration because I know how difficult it can be to get going. So for me, it, it was gradual, you know, move over into this or this part of coaching, but it was the right move. And I knew it was the right move. I just, you know, you got to use that gut instinct a lot as a coach, just like, you know, you've got in your podcast title, gut, <laughs> gut. you got to use your gut sometimes. So that's what I did. So what's kind of the biggest learning curve between moving from your old lifestyle into your new kind of coaching business? That's a good question. The biggest thing for me is I was trapped in that old thinking where I was thinking that you have to meet people face to face to work with them. So you've got to do, I always in the past did tons of meetings at Starbucks. I was going to people's homes because I was in real estate. I had people coming to my office and I was very much in that, you know, that mentality kind of the from decades ago. And the transition into coaching is interesting because I do all my work virtually, you know, Skype is how I do my sessions and well, occasionally phone, but for the most part, Skype. And I don't do any in-person meetings. So I have a handful of clients who are local who've gravitated to me. They've heard my podcast or they've come across me online, but even then I don't meet them at Starbucks stuff. I'm not a huge fan of spending three hours at Starbucks where everybody can hear you what's going on and you know like there's yeah. there's a private privacy issues with clients and then you're driving through traffic and then you're spending time finding parking and then you're you know shooting the breeze for a while and it's just i'm not into the you know, coaching in a coffee shop whole atmosphere some people like it and other people don't so for me it was a little bit of a, a transition to go into the full online business world but it also it wasn't that difficult of a transition i took to it found pretty easily so i'm not sure if that answers your question but that's been the biggest thing for me yeah, no, I can see that for a lot of people as well, because mm. I think as you come into coaching, there is so much you can do online. But for lots of us, when I came from corporate, and it opens up the whole world in a way that we just hadn't seen before. It does. And I've had debates with other coaches who swear up and down that you have to be right in front of the person. They want to see the, the whites in their eyeballs, and they want to be able to touch that person. And, you know, they feel that there's those subtle body language cues and things that they need. For me, I find with coaching, I feel like I could do the job and I feel just as close to a client if I'm coaching them on Skype doing our weekly sessions and communicating that way as opposed to if I was sitting five feet away from them. So it all depends on personal preference. Some people coach better that way and other people can coach better, you know, the, the virtual way. It really depends on your preference. End of the day is how can you get results for people if you're in front of them or if you're doing it virtually. If, as long as you're getting them results, that's the name of the game. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, as you do most of your, well, all of your business, online how do you then manage kind of getting in front of people to kind of make the sale i'm a shameless self-promoter <laughs> <laughs> you you know that because you're on my social media network so i'm not i'm not shy about putting myself out there and that took a little bit of a process you know when i first started coaching i sort of stayed back a little bit and like a lot of new coaches jump in and think okay i'll just slap up the website and i'll you know put some good content out there and everyone will flock to me and beat a path to my door and you know i'll be full and booked for five years solid and everything will be perfect <laughs> and it doesn't work that way i mean the coaching landscape i mean the whole if you're doing it online any business is very noisy it's a crowded marketplace and if you hang back and you expect other people to toot your horn, it's probably not going to happen. So for me, you, I had to really amplify what I was doing and not being bashful or embarrassed about getting out there. And, and I really do get out there a lot. So that's one of the biggest hints I say to people is you pick a good network, a medium or a good vehicle, one or two. You know, me, I've got podcasts. Obviously, I do that daily. So that's a big part of getting myself 
in front of potential clients, but then also pick a social media network, say that works for you. So maybe, you know, for me, it's Facebook. I've done very well with Facebook. Some people might be LinkedIn. Then there's other things. I mean, are you good blogging? Are you good with videos? You can't be good at everything, but pick a few things that work for you and and then focus on those things. Is there something you're comfortable with straight, you know, right out of the bat? Are you comfortable kind of getting in front of everyone and promoting yourself? Or was it something you had to learn? Well, no, I think real estate helped me with that because when I was in real estate, I was never shy or, or bashful about getting out there. So I, I had a slogan. I used to, I plastered everywhere. Mark Mooney sells the city. Now, it doesn't exactly rhyme when you say it quickly enough. Mark Mooney sells the city. Yeah. And it caught on. So I was doing a ton of radio ads. I was mailing out thousands and thousands of yellow postcards. I mean, environmentalists must have loved me because I was mailing. <laughs> this was before, this was back 2000, 2001. One, those early 2000s before, you know, back when the yellow pages were still used and stuff a lot. I used to do a lot of that and just it plastered my name and slogan everywhere, you know, so that, that helped my business grow. So when I went over into coaching, it wasn't as difficult to really promote myself because I knew from real estate that if you want to get out there and grow your business, you can't be afraid to do that. So in that way, it was an easy transition from the promotional side of real estate to the promotional side of coaching. What advice would you give someone who's kind of a new coach and they, they are hanging back they know they need to get out there but they're kind of a little bit bashful as you said yeah best advice i can give is and this this sounds like common sense you know nike just do it it's not as hard as you think it's going to be so i had a client for example awesome client and she she was a coach but she did not want to go on to radio and podcast shows. She was just deathly afraid of it. So I had tried for weeks. It was like I was pushing her in front of a firing squad. You know, she just didn't want anything to do with it. So finally, I said something to the effect of, to paraphrase, I think I said, I'm not going to work with you anymore unless you do it, to try to guild her into doing it. And I got it. I set her up with a host that I know that has a great show. And she went on his show and I got a message one day. And she Mark, can, can we connect for a few minutes on Skype? And I thought something was wrong. I thought, you know, her, her dog or kid got hit by a car or something. You know, it was really, she sounded like something was going on. And she, and uh, she said, oh, my gosh, I just got done uh, on that show that you got me onto, And I loved it so much. Can you get me onto some other shows? You know, she just she absolutely loved it. So if someone like that that was really not into the whole promotional getting interviewed and so on would love it, then I'm sure that anyone listening will love it as well. So you just really have to get out there and do it. Like set a goal. You don't have to be going on to shows every single day, but maybe say, okay, I'm going to do two interviews a month on other people's shows and then stick to it. And it is going to get easier and it's going to get to a point that you're going to want to do more of them. That sounds like it was yeah it's not difficult at all actually it's fun you know getting out meeting people getting your message out there so i i just have to stress if you're a coach the earlier you get into that promotional mindset the better and the way to look at it as opposed to looking at being sleazy salesy kind of late night infomercial which a lot of people kind of feel that way look at it the way that you can't help people until you sell them you know you they have to hire you to be their coach and you're doing them a disservice if you're not selling them because they'll never get to work with you and they'll never get to experience everything that you could do for them. So you're actually doing them a disservice by hanging back and not promoting yourself. Well, I guess one of the fears for coaches, this is a whole idea of it just being 
you know, as you said, completely icky. It is, yeah. I mean, well, I find it a lot. I'm in Canada, but a lot of people around the world think we're the exact same as the Americans, you know, and because there's a lot of similarities. And I've heard that before, people saying, oh, that's it's so American, they say. And me, I, I you know, I like that part of America. I like that they're not afraid to do their own horn and say what they do, because I, I think you shouldn't be embarrassed to do that. But some cultures are, take, for example, Dubai. I've worked with clients in Dubai, and they're very, they sort of pull back a little. They're not, they don't want to do that promotional thing. And it takes a little bit to get them over it. I imagine the year in the UK, I think you guys are probably the same way. You're not quite out there as much as, say, the Americans. I'm over overly generalizing here. I know that not, not everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So generally, I would say that's true, yeah. So how do you find the balance between kind of promoting yourself and still kind of giving value? Because you can't well, be tooting a horn the whole hmm. time. No, you got to combine the two of them. So you have to deliver value and that's your way of promoting yourself. So when I say be promoting yourself and being a shameless self-promoter, you can't just go on whatever platform you're on, say Facebook, for example, and just constantly post, hire me, hire me, hire me. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. You know, you're like Donald Trump, you know, just plastering it out there. I'm huge. I'm great. I'm the best in the world because that's not going to work. And I see people kind of doing that and that doesn't work either. There has to be a mix in there. So, I mean, I've heard an 80-20 rule that, you know, 80% of what you put out there is that value you're giving with content and 20% is more of the salesy side. But I actually like combining the two of them. So if I put a long post up that that's giving value then at the end i might work in there something about by the way if, you know if this is helpful you'd like to learn more here's what i'm doing you know so it's not just a commercial or a pitch but you're actually giving them something that they can use and then if they want to go further and, and get more of your help then they can take that step and reach out to you so i do find the advantage of being consistent with thing you get better with it you start to get a better feel your voice it gets through there more you're speaking more authentic and then it gets easier to quote sell at the same time so you mentioned napoleon hill earlier on how do you see mindset in terms of entrepreneurial development well that's everything for sure if you're i've had some clients who the mindset hasn't been that great and i'll give you a perfect example where some clients have been nice people but as we're we're working on their business and we're working on ideas and where do they want to go with it and with some of them it's just everything's no that's not going to work and, and i watch i listen for the words very carefully if a client's saying things like well i'll try that or i'll see if it works or if and maybe and, and words like that then I'm, I'm picking up on those it's setting off alarm bells in my head and i've actually said to these clients before like you got to keep an open mind and not go into things expecting it not to work because if that's the case you're sunk before you even start so mindset for coaches for any entrepreneur is huge because we're in that garden of our minds all day long we're working alone often and we're thinking and if you sit in there and you just ruminate and you're thinking negative thoughts and you're going around in circles with that then that's just going to drain you of energy and you're going to have a really tough time being successful i don't know any successful people that are negative thinkers now that i think now that I'm trying to I'm trying to rack my brain and think of it you have to have something there's got to be that positive thinking in there and then feeling for you have to be able to be persistent you have to be able to bounce back from defeats and stumbles I mean I've had days that have started off awesome and then something happens and it goes down the tube and if I let it keep going that way it's going to be a bad day so you got to flip yourself around it may go from good to bad good to bad about six times in the run of a day but you got to make sure you get swung around when it starts to turn bad how has being an entrepreneur affected the rest of your life? 
what your life beyond work? Overall, it's been positive. I love the life of an entrepreneur, and I, I couldn't do a nine-to-five job sitting at a desk or in a cubicle. It's just I'm not wired that way. I was able to do that sales position that I was telling you about because it was home-based and super flexible. But even that, I found I sort of chafed a little bit at some things with it. So I'm just not wired that way. For me, for entrepreneurship, it's it's changed my thinking because I think a lot of people in my life probably think I'm nuts. You know, like a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people locally don't get the concept of, oh, you don't, you're not getting paid every second Thursday or Friday and you don't have a, a certain weeks off in the run of a year. And, it, you know, it just seems kind of weird. Like it, it doesn't fit the usual mode of people. And I think every entrepreneur feels that way. Like you sometimes feel like you've got two heads and people are staring at you. <laughs> I love it. I'm just constantly preaching the benefits of entrepreneurship. I've got a seven-year-old son. I would love for him to be an entrepreneur. That's his choice when he's older. But it's definitely changed my outlook on life in a good way. Beautiful. So how do you balance being a you know a successful entrepreneur and being a parent and a partner and all the other things that you balance, you juggle in your life? How does everything fit together? Well, I have to learn to, I call it batching with my schedule, and there's different words for it, but essentially batching is I set different time blocks in the week for certain things. So with me, I have, with my son and his mother, we're divorced, we're separated, but we get along great and for his sake, is which is awesome. So in a way that works out very well because I can work my off when I don't have them and then I can block off time when when I do have them and then I know that that time's uh, set aside for him so in that regard it does work with the entrepreneur lifestyle that way compared to if it was a little bit of a different personal situation but it's still difficult I mean I have the problem I've always fought is that I have this tendency to be a workaholic and I think it comes from many years of being in real estate when I just always had a phone to my ear and I was on the road from seven or eight in the morning until midnight, you know, with appointments and that's carried over. So it has been a little bit of a transition for coaching to not let some of those bad habits carry over. So if I'm going and taking my little guy to a movie, for example, something happened recently where somebody wanted to connect and it would have been an awesome, an awesome client and they wanted to connect at the exact same time when I had that time booked for my little guy and I had to tell them, no, I'm sorry, I'm tied up. I've got something, you know, going on with my son and they were fine with it. They pushed it back, but there was part of me that you still feel like jumping on that. Hey, this would be a great client. And then that little voice says, oh, you're doing it for your son, you know, and it's, it's helping him. So why not do that call? And you have to sort of be careful or pretty soon you could be working 24 seven. And I think that's a big challenge for entrepreneurs. You know, we love what we do and it, it can bleed out into the rest of our lives. Yeah, bleeds into it. Yeah. So do you think it's important that we kind of take time out for ourselves and that helps us be more successful as entrepreneurs? I think so within reason, and I know that some people may not agree with it because you you hear Tim Ferriss, the four-hour work week, which says you could, should be able to get it all done in four hours, and if you're working more than four hours, you're doing it wrong. I would go crazy if I was working just four hours a week. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> so I think a little bit of time off helps. You know, obviously, you got to recharge the batteries, and it helps to sort of step back and recuperate, but you have to also be careful not to, when you get 
momentum going, suddenly saying, okay, I'm going to take three or four months off to go to some island to lay on the beach for four months. <laughs> and because then you could lose that momentum that, that you've built up. I remember Donald Trump told a story in one of his books about a successful New York real estate guy who hit it big and then suddenly decided to go, I think he rented a villa in Italy with his new wife and he took time off to go live the quote good life and he got very bored and he was depressed and so he came back to New York to you know try to get back in the game and by then it had been too long he lost all of his momentum and he lost his money his drive his desire and he was done and the point of the story there was you got to be careful not to lose your momentum when you have it as well so I, I do think it's a balancing act in that regard so thinking back to when you just got started as an entrepreneur if you could kind of give yourself some advice of what to focus on what was really important, what advice would you give your, yourself as Mark just starting out in coding? The best advice I could give to old Mark or in the past Mark would be to be tough with my criteria. So when I say be tough, what I mean is I would be tougher with who I'm working with, who I accept as clients, how much I'm charging when I'm working, how I'm working, and so on. I'd be putting up those those standards, that criteria. So it's happened over the last few years. It's evolved that I've had to become tougher. When I first got started, I didn't have that set of criteria. So I wasn't running the business the way that I should have been. I discounted my fees, which a lot of coaches do, Pretty a ton of coaches do it, and I always tell them not to. And I've gotten a lot firmer on it now. Now I've bumped my fees up considerably, about 600% higher than what I was charging when I first started as a coach and then I'm being firm and I would go back and say Mark be firm right out of the gate and be tough you know two coaches are too soft with things uh, because they think well I want everyone to like me and you know I'm, I want to be positive happy and I, I don't want to be tough but you have to mix that pause positivity with a tough way of running your business or you're going to get steamrolled stay true stay true so tell me your uh, your view on coaches discounting well, again, I'm I'm not a fan of it. I I speak about this all the time, doing the daily podcast. I've done summits about coaching fees, and I just I hate to see coaches doing it. That little voice in their heads telling them, you know, go ahead and discount because then you're going to get a client who will give a testimonial for you, and you'll get more clients that way, or they'll give you referrals, or you'll get practice. You get you'll become a better coach because you'll be coaching more often. But it's a dangerous trap because every time you're discounting, your little voice in your head, I think, is is saying that you're not worth what you should be charging or it's hurting your confidence because you're every time you're doing that it's just sort of death by a thousand cuts that way it gets harder to eventually bump your fees up like you know you should be doing so i'm i hate coaches discounting what i'd rather see coaches do instead of spending all this time coaching for free or for heavy discount spend that time instead talking with people who could pay you what you're worth so you're spending more time on calls with people who could become clients that are paying what you should be charging as opposed to doing free coaching awesome thank you so what's a quote or phrase or mantra that you live by i like the word the acronym kmf that comes from a robin sharma book and it stands for keep moving forward 
And so I, I constantly think of that because as a coach, as an entrepreneur, you have to keep that top of mind. I should probably get that tattooed on me somewhere just so I can look down and see K, KMF. The other quote, which I hope I've got it in my mind here because I'm going from memory, but there's a great quote from Wall Street 2. Have you seen the Wall Street movies? I haven't. Gordon, Gordon Gecko. Okay. Well, Gordon Gecko, that's Michael Douglas's character. And uh, this is in the sequel to Wall Street 2. It came out a few years ago. And make a long story short, he's speaking to someone on the phone that's going through a rough time, a friend of his. And he says to him, he says, hey, hey, stay positive, pal. Most people, they lose, they whine and quit. But you got to be there for the turns. Everybody, good luck. Everybody's got bad luck. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine when it hurts. It's like the first grade, Jerry. Nobody likes a crybaby. And I always remember that quote. I've, I've memorized that quote because I love it. And that's something I think that all entrepreneurs should keep in mind as well. What's the most insanely helpful resources that you found? insanely helpful oh <laughs> this one may not be this isn't the most original answer because i've heard it a lot of my podcast but it's true my scheduling system i couldn't do what i do without it so i use schedule once for me that would fit the description of insanely helpful it's, it's just like a limb for me if i didn't have my online scheduler to book appointments i couldn't do my business i couldn't do my podcast i couldn't do anything so in my mind if a coach isn't using or an entrepreneur isn't using one of scheduling systems they're really putting themselves at disadvantage because they're wasting so much time going back and forth trying to work out a time to meet with or connect with someone else you could be sending 10 20 messages back and forth it's like negotiating a middle east peace treaty to set up a 15 <laughs> 15 minute call you know and, and for the sake of a few dollars a month so spend the 20 dollars a month get an online schedule like schedule once or there's free versions like calendly Calendly's free you can use that as well but get an online scheduler Brilliant. So who are your teachers, your your kind of your go to people that you learn from and are inspired by? My teachers, I've never met and will never meet probably because a lot of them are dead. But it, those pers those personal development writers, Napoleon Hill and, and some of those great ones, J James Allen, all the ones from the past right up to present day are just my resources. I'm constantly reading, listening to audiobooks and soaking in as much as I can for those people. So this is another place where coaches and entrepreneurs, if you're not reading, you're missing out on an opportunity to learn a lot of good strategies. But you also have to keep ahead of the curve too because clients are expecting to learn things that you're learning you know you're passing along to them so i have a saying and i've heard this before that you have to outlearn your clients so you have to make sure that you keep learning keep growing keep improving so it'd be all those greats from the path as said right up to present day that are personal development authors speakers and so on any particular book that you recommend people get started on well, I Think and Grow Rich, again, that's the one that got me started. And I think a lot of books that have come since then are really based on Think and Grow Rich. So that would be an awesome place to start. If you haven't read it or if it's been a long time since you've read it, I would recommend going to Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. So what's going on that you're most excited about right now? Well, I've got some things going on in 2016. I've got a new one-on-one -on -one coaching program that's a 12-week program. And AccelerateForClients.com. There's a shameless self-promotion we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so you can check it out there. And then also with my group program, I'm transitioning it over into a more of a do-it-yourself so I can, it can help more people at the same time. Because I love my group programs, but I've been restricted to five, six people at a time. And that's want to make sure I can get it into as many hands as possible so you go to naturalborncoaches.com and see everything that i'm up to but i'm just i'm flashing out a lot of stuff with my coaching to reach more people so i love one-on-one one-on-one is a big part of what i'm doing but then i make sure
sure that I'm always adding things that can help more people. So don't be shy. Go say hello to Mark. Yeah. Wonderful. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Yes, well, thank you, Amy, and thanks for everything you're doing. I love the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening, gorgeous. Love what you heard? Leave a review on iTunes because that helps people find the show. Then get your sweet self over to heartsoulandguts.com and join the convo. And by the way, thanks for being you because the world needs more dreamers who get stuff done.